You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iyer. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So if you've been with us before and you're an avid listener, you know how we do it. We wrap up the previous week and get you ready for the next week in fantasy football, whether you're in a year-long or daily fantasy football league. So all kinds of good insight. And we've also recently upgraded to Experts Edition there. So we have our guys to help give us an additional insight. To today's show is the Roundup Monday. We look at all the things that happened in week four on Thursday and Sunday's games, see what to take away in fantasy football going forward. And uh, we have Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy for some high stakes takeaways for four of the bigger game results here in week number four. And, uh, Tuesdays, we do a weekly waiver wire with Eric at home of Pro Football Weekly. And then we come back back-to-back with Pro Football Focus there. Uh, Jeff Ratcliffe with Matchup Focus uh, helps us break down the biggest games ahead of Week 5 in this particular week. And finally, Tyler Lochner with some uh, good, timely DFS advice for FanDuel and DraftKings on Lineup Focus. That's on Thursday. So that's our lineup here. And... For you, uh, we have to dive right into a very busy week four of action. A lot of interesting stuff happening out on the field. We'll talk to Tom later about some of those developments. But first, uh, got to start with the Thursday game. Get that out of the way. It was nutty. It's been a while since we've talked there. But when you look at that game, Jared Goff and uh, Kirk Cousins pretty much trading blows. Jared Goff had the biggest fantasy game of the week, we thought, until we got into Sunday. But 400 and 65 yards and five touchdowns there for Jared Goff. It just the matchup with the Vikings. It was just shocking how much their defense has fallen off. Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, they all did some major jamming. Rod Ger- Todd Gurley also had a touchdown here, two touchdowns for Cup. So Gurley didn't have the greatest rushing game in the world, but it doesn't matter when you have 73 yards receiving and 83 on the ground with a TD. He kept going. So this offense is an absolute machine. I think every one of the skill players is startable here. Golf is week to week. We thought this might be a tricky matchup, and everyone is off golf for this week, but this offense is just too potent here. So if you're in a league where golf is your backup, I might see what you can get for your starter, especially if that's a big name like Aaron Rodgers or somebody wants that upside going forward as he gets healthier. You can potentially maybe get a running back or someone exchange there. So... Jared Goff, I think I would be fine starting him in most weeks given the potential of this offense. And we see that there's not many matchups that are going to daunt in the Rams here from putting up a lot of points. On the other side of things, uh, Dalvin Cook is the story here. Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, they're all okay. Kyle Rudolph will be okay. He didn't score in this game. But when you look at it, Dalvin Cook tried to play it in a hamstring, only had 10 carries for 20 yards. The game got away from them. They had a plug in Latavius Murray. He didn't look that much better. Rock Thomas is there, Mike Boone. So we'll have to see where this backfield goes. But the offensive line kind of stinks right now. It's a lot of downfield passing. As long as the defense stinks, you're going to have a lot more throwing than expected from the Vikings. But 
it's good for Cousins, Thielen, and Diggs. If uh, you're an owner of one, two, or th- probably just one or two of those guys, probably not three, but it's a good development. You want a bad defense to uh, help your offense uh, come along on the other side so you get some nice volume, and especially in the passing game. That's what we're seeing here early from the Vikings. And uh, at some point, I think they'll correct their defense, but for now, we can't look at it too much. Now, the Bengals and Falcons, speaking about two teams that need to throw a lot because their defenses are pretty lousy, both these guys, uh, Matt Ryan and Andy Dalton, very parallel games. Matt Ryan had more yards with one less interception. That was the difference why Ryan was a better start than Dalton. 419 three TDs. That would be a great day in some weeks, but that's like three or four this week. Other side, 337 yards and three TDs from Andy Dalton. So the bottom line is both these defenses stink. The AFC North, NFC South crossover is good for fantasy football. I think... We'll go with the disappointments because we know Julio Jones, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan all came through here. Austin Hooper, once these three receivers are going, Austin Hooper's going to have a less and less role, and that makes sense. Sanu just destroyed the Bengals, his former team. And then Tevin Coleman, 14 for 51 rushing. That's a little disappointing because he kind of really split carries with Ito Smith here. It was a 2-1, 14-7. to Ito Smith got the short touchdown. He also got involved in passing situations as well. as many catches. So that's a bit of a concern with Devonta Freeman out. I think Ito Smith has some value if you want to pick him up. He's definitely a good stash in a lot of leagues if something were to happen to Coleman. But uh, for right now, you wish there was a little bit more volume for Coleman. And I think they're a bit frustrating that they can't run the ball as well between the tackles with Andy Levitre gone, and that, that's what you're seeing here. With Coleman, there should be some better days ahead. I think actually Devonta Freeman's arrival will kind of help Coleman in some ways uh, be a true compliment there and not, not be forced in a situation where they have to pull him out. On the Bengals side of things, Gio Bernard keeps going 15 for 69, rushing, made the most of his opportunities with two TDs, also 27 receiving. So you really don't miss much. This is why handcuffing is so critical there. If you handcuffed Joe Mixon with Giovanni Bernard, you were fine. You just switched, went to Bernard uh, after the Thursday night injury. There's a chance that uh, Mixon will have to miss one more game. But uh, I would say right now you don't have to sweat this out if you have either guy. But if uh, Mixon does play, I think Bernard is going to be back on the shelf. And Tyler Boyd, what can you say? He continues to be a target monster. 15 targets, caught 11 for 100 yards. He's entrenched in this offense with A.J. Green, who has that late touchdown to win the game. Disappointing game, really, for A.J. Green, given the points. But that's because Boyd did some damage. John Ross had a touchdown here as well. And Tyler Eifert did. And that's going to help Boyd now. Eifert going down for the season with an ankle injury. So I think you'll just see a lot more there of uh, Tyler Boyd in the mix, uh, working in the slot. John Ross, I think you'll see a lot of three receiver sets from this team going forward. Tyler Croft, C.J. Zuma, these are guys that they might get give a little bit more playing time. But with Boyd's emergence, they want to be in these base three receiver sets a lot and have that uh, tight end in the block. So that's something to keep in mind, that if you're a Boyd picker-upper from last week, you're just thrilled with this result. The next game we have to talk about, we said there was somebody that went off more than Jared Goff this week. It was not the number one overall pick from three drafts ago. It was the number two overall pick from two drafts ago. That's right. Mitchell Trubisky, what a game here. Really didn't have to do much. 19 of 26, so very low volume. 354 yards and six TDs. I guess 
basically Jordan Howard didn't get any love near the goal line, really struggled. He was the only guy that didn't do anything. 11 carries for 25 yards, and that's about it for Jordan Howard. The Bucks' run defense, remember, is very good, and their pass defense is awful. So that's what you have to keep in mind is that most production is going to come via the air. It doesn't matter if you're Trubisky or someone else, but get this. Trubisky is the leading rusher on the team as well. Three carries, 50 three yards as well as 354 and six TDs. Two went to Taylor Gabriel, one on a flip pass where Chase Daniel was in there, one on a nice one downfield. Allen Robinson was a beautiful touchdown. Trey Burton was wide open. Josh Bellamy, Tariq Cohen. So you had uh, five guys score these six touchdowns. Gabriel finally broke out here as a key cog in this offense. Uh, Cohen got a lot more buzz here. When you look at it, uh, 20 touches there as the leading receiver and uh 174 yards from scrimmage while Howard is an afterthought. So Howard is getting clear that they don't want to kind of work him in as much because it's passing game limitations. Cohen, like Gabriel, like Burton, can like Robinson, can cause matchup problems here. So Trubisky, I don't know if that will keep up. The Bucks matchup is just too shiny. It's a bye week this week, so maybe he'll figure a few more things out to be steadier and uh, good against uh, tougher teams, which we didn't see earlier in the season. But uh, that's what we're going to look for for Mitchell Trubisky going forward. But Jordan Howard runners, I'd be concerned, but as this passing game opens up and his defense plays well, I think it's all going to favor Howard a little later in the season. You know the weather's going to get bad and go there. So be patient. It's hard. And if you can trade for Howard, I would uh, think about that as well. Now you look at the other side of things uh, with the, the Buccaneers, and uh, they had to bench Ryan Fitzpatrick because the game got out of hand. He had an interception before he left. James Winston had two picks when he came in, making his uh, first playing time of 2018 he's been announced the starter here when they return from the bye in week five against the Falcons so Winston definitely is going to have streaming appeal with these type of weapons he did in uh kind of about half a game uh, if you look at it all together it was over 250 275 yards with uh, a TD for this uh, QB com- combination but in a brutal matchup, if you think about it, they were not startable. That was something notable. But we did note that it pretty much was a Deshaun Jackson, 5 for 112. But Mike Evans was quiet. Uh, O.J. Howard went down. So that's a big thing here is that he's going to miss time with a knee injury. Cameron Brait, immediately that Jameis Winston chemistry revoked or revisited, uh, invoked, whatever you want to call it. But... They hook up on a touchdown. Brates, by the way, scored in two straight games now. No Howard for a while. We know how much uh, Winston likes him, and a lot of underneath throwing is going to happen. Uh, notable that Ronald Jones got a s- active s- potential here over Peyton Barber, but didn't do much with it. 10 carries, 29 yards. So this offensive line just can't block, and none of these backs have some viability to play. I think you have to stash and hope for the best with Jones. He's a bigger upside guy that I'd rather have than Barber, but... Still nothing I'm going to be too excited about in fantasy football this season. Ever since I started doing this uh, fantasy football podcast, which I love here on the Locked On Network, and uh, if you go to the site, sportingnews.com, I've also got my picks there. And Because of all this, uh, people are asking me, who do I like to win games? What's, what's my feeling on spread and all that? Well, let me tell you what, where you're betting is just as important as what team you're betting on in a particular week. And that's why I strongly encourage you to go to my bookie. It's really one of the best places you can go for wagering in the business. They've been in business for years and they have great reviews online. And as well for you, great player perks for the business. And uh, 
live in-game betting over/unders, even on fancy points scored in the in a given week, and you got to try it now. This is the best place to go because once you go and you start playing and you start winning, they're going to pay you pretty fast. And uh, think about my bookie. A lot of people are like you, wanting to get in here on the action, and uh, they're getting slammed with a lot of new betters and. Uh, they want to give everyone a chance there to have the best service possible. So if you deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern time, that's right, after 7 p.m., they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. You just have to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Join now, and my bookie will also match your deposit dollar for dollar. So a lot of things available up to $1,000 free play at my bookie. And again, if you're a little later, can wait, want to do a deposit after dinner, there at 7 p.m., you'll get a free extra $25 on free play using that promo code locked on 25 So there you go. You can get up to 1025 and free play. That's pretty good. That's just free money to go there, play, and uh, win some big, big money. And uh, my bookie, such a great rep, and uh, take care of that. And my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid. When we come back, we'll talk to Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to uh, look at some of the key results of week four. Joining me now, as he always does on Roundup Monday for some high stakes takeaways from week four is Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy. How's it going, Tom? Doing good. Another uh, crazy, wild, high scoring week in fantasy. It looks like we're going to be Having a lot of that, uh, 16 weeks, uh, it may just play out that way. Just uh, a bonkers season so far when it comes to points uh, being put up. The quarterbacks are putting up massive numbers, and uh, it certainly makes for an exciting week in fantasy. Yeah, just a lot of scoring out there. All the things you thought in terms of being high-scoring weeks, uh, you got up that a little bit, and uh, especially if you're playing uh, daily games here in a we got four intriguing results from week four that we have to talk about. We'll start with the Packers and Bills. Well, the Packers, we knew this was going to kind of be a correction here. The Bills were not going to be as well, and uh, the Packers could dominate this game. They did, but it wasn't the offensive output we were expecting. Then after the game, uh, Aaron Rodgers had some comments about the play calling and the usage of certain guys, uh, namely Devontae Adams. Now, do you think the Packers are going to figure this out and correct it? And that, especially with Geronimo Allison now having a concussion, that I, I expect there's probably going to be some big Adams weeks coming forward. Yeah, I mean he's been he's been really really good to start the year. This was the first time he hasn't scored a touchdown. I mean, in, in several games dating back to last season. So, yeah, Devontae's going to get his. I, I think you you could make the argument he could have got him more touches. He did have a tough matchup with Tre'Davious White, but. You know, he's always going to get double-digit targets. He's the number one guy in this passing attack, and Adams trusts him. So I think we're, we're definitely going to see a big season for Devontae Adams. So uh, could we see more go, uh, going forward based on what Rodgers said? Certainly possible. And if you're an Adams owner, it's exactly what you want. Yeah, and we saw the backfield shift there. Aaron Jones did provide a spark. He just looked a lot better there than Jamal Williams with certain runs. I know they still like Jamal Williams with the little things he does, but – do you expect uh, to see more of Jones as well now going forward, now that we've seen him and he looks pretty good? Yeah, I mean, he clearly was their best running back on Sunday. There's no doubt about that. But Mike McCarthy came right out again today and said he loves the rotation. It worked really well. Look how good we ran the ball. So 
I just keep telling Aaron, you know, if you're, you, you can think Aaron Jones is the best running back on the team, and he certainly looks the part. But Mike McCarthy is not going away from Jamal Williams. It's just the reality. So if you're, you're, you're banking on 20 touches or so a game or even 15 from Aaron Jones, you just might not get it. It's, it's going to be a three-headed monster. And, and like I said before, I think the only thing that changes that will be an injury. Well, another thing I noticed is with Randall Cobb out, you saw more of Ty Montgomery in that role there, kind of that hybrid role, but taking advantage of some of the looks that Cobb would normally get. Do you expect him maybe to get a little more play in this offense, especially if uh, Cobb gets uh, lingering hamstring issues? Yeah, I, I definitely do. I, I tweeted out last week when they when Cobb was not looking good to play. I thought Ty Montgomery would be more of a factor. I thought Jimmy Graham would be too. He did score. He wasn't quite as involved as I thought he was going to be, but he did get the touchdown. So, yes, Ty Montgomery's role certainly could uh, be impacted by Randall Cobb's health. They need a little bit of that over-the-middle stuff, and Montgomery can do that. So, again, this is there's three guys in that backfield, and all of them do things that Mike McCarthy likes, so all of them are going to play. And so, again, I know that's a buzzkill if you're an Aaron Jones owner and you really want him to be the guy, but the reality here is, I don't think he's going to be the guy unless, again, there's an injury. Well, just we'll have to wait and see here. The Packers, a little bit frustrating, but I think they have plenty of upside, of course, going forward uh, for all fantasy players. Now, in a game that uh, I thought maybe had more points and fantasy production, at least on one side, than I thought was the Eagles and Titans. The Titans pulled this one out in a crazy game. The Eagles looked like they were in control here. Now, we'll start with the Eagles. Uh, Carson Wentz looked pretty good. Alshon Jeffrey looked pretty good uh, here coming back from injury as well. Now, what I'm seeing so far is that without Mike Wallace there, and now Nelson Aguilar suddenly struggling with drops and a, little, a few route issues, that this could actually work out well for Ertz and Jeffrey owners. Or these guys are getting massive volume uh, week in and week out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're talking about a game where Carson Wentz threw for nearly 350 yards and a couple of touchdowns, and they lost. It's probably not what the Eagles want, and, and I don't know how often that's going to happen, but you're right about their passing game. I don't trust their running game. I really don't, even though Ajayi was back yesterday, and he, you know, he, he's okay. But to me, this is a pass-first offense, and I do think they miss Mike Wallace. They miss that speed guy who can you know, create a little bit of separation. None of those guys, you know, Jeffrey Aguilar or uh, Jordan Matthews, even though I know he, he ran free on the touchdown yesterday, they're, they're not speed guys. They're, they're not guys that can just run past the defense, typically. So I think they need that in their passing game. And without it, yes, I think you're going to see Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz in particular get peppered with targets. I still, I, I'm, Aguilar is a frustrating guy right now. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't bail on him, but he's a tough guy to start right now because there are some issues. And again, Jeffrey looked really, really good yesterday. Well, on the other side of things, what a game there for Marcus Mariota. We've been hearing yeah. so much about Matt LaFleur and this offense and what could happen. And finally, they have their two left and right tackles healthy there and uh, Taylor Lewan and uh, Jack Conklin. You get uh, Corey Davis going here as a target monster, living up to the reputation and uh, all that we saw. They moved Rashard Matthews out of the way and uh, Tawan Taylor gets going. Do you think this Titans offense finally is viable now. I think the big question is, are they going to get those running backs going? Yeah, well, I mean, Deion Lewis looked really good as a receiver, and that's where Deion Lewis can help you the most. And, and yeah, Derrick Henry right now is a major, major problem. He has gotten enough volume to be a worthy RB2, but he just has not produced at all. So that's the concerning part you've got. 
for that backfield. That Deion Lewis to me is he's locked in as an RB two, especially in PPR. You can just start him every week. What we don't know is what we're going to see from Marcus Mariota. It's still kind of a week-to-week proposition with him. What we saw yesterday was fantastic against a good defense that was very encouraging. Like you said, Corey Davis really lived up to his ADP for the first time this season, so that was encouraging. They have weapons, even without Delaney Walker. They've got weapons in the passing game. It's just, can Marcus Mariota play consistently? That's been the problem throughout his career, and that's what we just don't know. But the upside is there. He's talented. We know he's mobile. That's a big plus for fantasy quarterbacks. And he has weapons to utilize, and he can throw it downfield to a lot of those guys. So there is an opportunity here for Mariota. But I wouldn't say he's really in my circle of trust just yet. i got to see a little more consistency from him. Yeah, and it's also this goes to show you don't just write off an offense or system after three weeks. You have to look at the injuries, look at things that are changing on this team. And uh, sometimes you have to adapt mid-game just or mid-season the way teams do. And uh, the Titans are one of those teams. Uh, another team that's totally adapting, and we're looking at new things there, is the 49ers. C.J. Beathard, as a deep shot play, he came through for you as a solid uh, value there if you used him. And you look at this offense, uh, the C.J. Beathard connection came through with George Kittle. The, we didn't expect it to explode in that way with a big play downfield. But looking at this offense, it didn't look too bad. But unfortunately, it seems like they just can't keep people healthy. I think Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis were hurt in this game. Yeah, I'm not sure what I make of this offense right now without Garoppolo because the matchup, I mean, the Charger defense is really, really really bad without Joey Bosa. I mean, it's really terrible. I mean, keep in mind, a week ago, the Buffalo Bills scored 20 points on this defense, and yesterday the Bills couldn't score a point against one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So that ought to tell you how bad the Chargers are without Bosa. I think they are a plus matchup for every offense they face until Joey Bosa returns. So it helped C.J. Beathard. He did get some things done. Obviously, Kittle came through with the big touchdown. Breida had his moments. Uh, he threw more to Pierre Garçon than we've seen. So maybe Garçon's re-entering the mix. But I, I, I got to see this against a, a better defense before I can just start saying, okay, I'm, I'm confident with these guys. Again, I'm, I'm okay with Kittle. I think he'll be okay. I think Breida, you know, you can hang in there with him. You know, Alfred Morris is a non-factor. So those two guys I'm kind of okay with. But, you know, do we commit to the passing game if, if Gar- with Garçon or if Goodwin can stay healthy? I need to see more against a better defense than what we saw yesterday. Yeah, the Chargers side of things, uh, this has quietly been a very consistent producing team. Phillip Rivers, Melvin Gordon, every week they get the job done for you. It doesn't seem to matter what the matchup is, how the game starts, they get going. But uh, I'm looking at uh, other guys here. The way they involve Austin Eckler, I think he's a guy that more times than not is a guy that can produce. And then... You look at this receiving core, I think in a way the emergence of Mike Williams has hurt Keenan Allen a little bit. Yeah, I was wrong. I, I really thought Williams would have a better day yesterday than he did, and it just didn't materialize for him. Obviously, Gates scored the touchdown. But, you know, back to Eckler, I do like Williams long-term. I think he is a talented player. I think he's going to be a solid player. But, yeah, yesterday was a real buzzkill. Eckler's the, the, the curiosity here because he just doesn't get on the field much, but whenever he's on the field, he seems to make plays, and he scores touchdowns. He scored again yesterday. I've got him in one league. He's like my fourth running back. I, I can't ever get him into a lineup, but every week I'm like, 
man, I should have started off Neckler. He's just putting up double-digit points every single week. So maybe that train, you know, comes to an end because the, the volume just isn't there. But he's making it happen, and, and they're confident using him. They're creative using him. When he's on the field, they get him the ball. He's explosive. He's an intriguing guy. Obviously, Melvin Gordon, he's locked in as one of the best backs in the NFL. Rivers is getting it done. I think Keenan Allen's going to be okay. I'm not overly concerned about him. Uh, I think he'll be fine as the season goes on. I, I'd like to see more from Mike Williams because I think there's so much talent there. Well, going to another game, and this probably surprised people with how many points were put up by both sides here, and the source of points is also something that was interesting in this game. The Browns, uh, Carlos Hyde scored again. He's been consistently finding end zone, but Nick Chubb only needed three carries to take two to the house with long runs here. Uh, but... I think the one thing you can take away is that Chubb is a must-have there for all Hyde owners. And then another thing when I was looking at this uh, Browns passing game, it's still going to be a lot of underneath stuff, the tight ends and uh, Jarvis Landry more so than uh, maybe Antonio Callaway in that train. Callaway got a lot of targets yesterday, but they only turned into three catches. Of course, he had the big play, and then he left the game after that. But, yeah, I, the backfield's interesting because Carlos Hyde is playing well. He's scoring again, but we know the deal with Carlos Hyde. He's always struggled to stay healthy. So you kind of feel like if you do have Nick Chubb, at some point you're going to be able to get him into a lineup for at least a game or two as a starter. So hang in there with Chubb if you got him because Hyde is no lock to stay healthy. Duke Johnson, they finally got him going a little bit yesterday. That was good to see. They're intriguing in the passing game. Certainly Mayfield's just so much better than Taylor, so they have a, a shot offensively now every week. You know Jarvis Landry can play. You know, Njoku's so frustrating. He dropped one, I mean, a big, big drop, and then, of course, Fells gets the big touchdown catch, so that was a you know a bit of a buzzkill there. But they've got talent. Mayfield's a scrappy guy. He, he makes plays. He's fun to watch. Offensively now, the Browns are a team you can look to for some fantasy production with Mayfield, the quarterback. Now, the Raiders were kind of a disaster in a lot of ways uh, going into this game, but every part of the offense that John Gruden has been talking about, uh, Marshawn Lynch, Jordy Nelson, Amari Cooper, Jared Cook, they all click at the same time all of a sudden. And uh, I believe Derek Carr and the Raiders are up next against those Chargers. This is a team now that we can start to trust a little bit more because it's been inconsistent very early in the season. Well, I certainly would like him in a plus matchup, and you're right, they get one this coming week against the Chargers. I mean, imagine the day Carr would have had if Martavis Bryant catches that 50-yard touchdown that was right in his hands that he just flat-out dropped. Uh, it would have been even a crazier day. Derek Carr's been, numbers-wise, productive from a fantasy perspective. It can be a little tough watching him at times, but the numbers have been there. Amari Cooper came through big time yesterday, and Jordy Nelson's now had two back-to-back -back games, and Jared Cook's pretty much been good all year. And this was a tough defense. You know, the Browns have a really good defense. That's the one thing going into the year that you could say they had. We didn't know what they had offensively, but we knew that defense was going to be really, really good. And, yeah, Derek Carr and, and the, the Raiders got it going. I, I'll tell you what. I was flat out wrong about Marshawn Lynch. I wanted no part of him this year. I figured he's an aging back. I wasn't inspired by him at all. And, boy, oh, boy, he's just getting it done. He looks really good. He looks like beast mode. He had the big run yesterday, a really productive day. He has been a very rock-solid RB2 in fantasy. So, yeah, I, I just I swung and missed on Marshawn. 
Yeah, I think part of it also, the Raiders, uh, the one asset they have that a lot of uh, offenses don't is those hogs up front. They're pretty darn good, and they set up a lot of things, and they can do a lot of different things uh, if uh, Derek Carr is making the right decisions uh, with Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, I mean, they're certainly, they've got, they've got opportunities here, and they do have talent, clearly. I mean, Derek Carr, a year and a half ago at this time, was an MVP candidate. Right. I mean, and then he got hurt late in the year in 2016. He got hurt again last year. He is talented. He can play. And, and Cooper's talented. Jordy Nelson clearly isn't washed up yet. Martavis Bryant, for all his faults, he can run by anybody on a football field. So, you know, you got that. And Jared Cook is playing well. So there's options here. And if Lynch keeps running well, now they've got balance. So, again, you put him in the right matchup. And I do think you can see some production here. So, yes. I tell you what, if you're playing DFS uh, this week, I, I think that the Raiders are going to be a popular stacking play because they do have a plus matchup this week. Yeah, it goes to show, never ignore offenses that you can't write them off. Any of these teams can figure things out, especially if they have smart coaches around to do just that. So, Tom, uh, great stuff as always. Uh, what are you working on uh, there this week? Well, I mean, we've got a lot going on right now. We've got our basketball contest. I know we're talking football, but if anybody out there likes playing hoops, go to playnfbkc.com, and you can sign up, play some basketball with us this year. We've also got our weekly fan, fan ball contest for DFS, $50. If you win it, you get a free main event entry in the NFFC in 2019. So for only $50, you can get a $1,600 in uh, return on that investment, just go to fanball slash 5050. Lineup should be up uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday for that. So a lot going on. Great ways to play with us in all sports and certainly in football. If you want to play a little DFS and then win big money in season long next year, you can do that with us. All right, guys and gals, you heard that. Check that out and uh, definitely get involved. It's a lot of fun there to uh, raise your game there in fantasy football. All right, Tom, uh, thanks again. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Vinny. Sounds good. Thanks again to Tom Kesnick for joining us and uh, breaking down those four games. We have a few more games to break down here coming out of uh, week four for you before you can flip to week five. But uh, first, uh, as you're winning in fantasy football, there's way to take it to the next level, being in person to see your favorite team and players uh, come through for you. And uh, I've got to say, uh, if you're looking for the best seats there and uh, the best ways to get them, it's definitely at Vivid Seats. It's the online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. And uh, it's getting a chance to see your favorite team in person and, uh, they're going to help you find the best seats to any favorite live event of yours, including sporting events, concerts, theater tickets, whatever you're looking for. Vivid Seats is going to offer great prices and an easy purchasing experience, uh, whether you're going to vividseats.com or using the app. And now there's a special offer for you, a listener of Locked On Fantasy Football, with the podcast code Locked On. That's Locked On. You can receive $20 off orders of $200 or more as a first-time customer of Vivid Seats. And you can get there and get that discount by downloading the Vivid Seats app on Apple Store or Google Play and enter the promo code LOCKEDON to receive $20 off 
quarters of $200 or more. So great deal there to get into Vivid Seats and to make that your go-to place for the best ticket experiences available. All Vivid Seats are confirmed orders and backed by 100% guarantee. So you've got your tickets, you're good to go, save some money and uh, do it in the easiest way possible. And that's with Vivid Seats. When we get back, uh, we'll talk about the final games here coming out of week four. The next game here that we have to talk about is the uh, Patriots and Dolphins. And uh, this was a 1 p.m. kickoff on Sunday. And uh, this was all Patriots. Three touchdowns and two interceptions for Tom Brady, but he still came through big time. There, the key was the domination by the Patriots running game. Sonny Michelle got 25 carries, 112 yards and a TD. James White, eight carries, 44 yards and a TD, as well as a eight for 68 and a TD. So bonus there in the rushing attack. You've started White, Cordell Patterson, and Phil Brissett, however, had the touchdowns. Uh, Chris Hogan, only one catch. Josh Gordon, only two catches on both of his targets. And uh, Rob Gronkowski had seven targets, but had to leave again with the ankle injury, four for 44. So when you look to the Brady box score, it looked pretty good. But then uh, the touchdowns went there to different guys. Dorsett made a great play on his. You had uh, a play by White diving in the end zone. Some great, great touchdowns there. I expect uh, Gordon to be a big part of the offense. A big note here is Gronkowski in the ankle. Questionable here for the Thursday night turnaround against the Colts this week. We'll see how that goes. But Patriots running game, Sonny Michelle. I know people are like, don't trust Patriots running back. But when somebody gets a high volume, the Deion Lewis type volume that Michelle gets and he's directly drafted to be the replacement for that you got to believe so James White PPR leagues he's gonna have more standard flex and RB2 appeal now and then Michelle is might be if this kind of volume is more RB1 volume so great to see all that happen with the Patriots the Dolphins it's just an absolute mess you absolutely cannot trust anything especially the running game Frank Gore got more carries than Kenny and Drake in this one and got the touchdown in garbage time very disappointing there usage and uh Kenny Drake we were worried this could happen Adam Gaze is very fickle with the running backs and that's what the case is and uh Ryan Tannehill if you streamed him you got a pretty awful game there with his uh multiple turnovers and an interception there so not good for Ryan Fitzpatrick or Ryan Tannehill that is and it wasn't good for Ryan Fitzpatrick either but not a great day for the Ryans at least on the scoreboard there the next game we'll talk about is the Jets and the Jaguars. And you look at this game, and uh, it was pretty much all Jaguars. The biggest thing is there, Leonard Fournette came in, got 11 carries for 30 yards, didn't look so good early. Then he uh, aggravated his hamstring injury, had to come out. It was TJ Yeldon. And you probably, if you handcuffed Fournette to Yeldon, you saw TJ Yeldon going off with a couple scores, one in the passing game, one as a runner here late in the game. So so I think that's what you want going forward is Fournette to be shut down for a little while. You want a healthy Fournette for the stretch run when you're good. The Jaguars do too, but as a fantasy football player that it would be helpful because if you've drafted Yeldon smartly, if you don't have Yeldon, then you're going to have to find some other alternative there. But if you, if you have Yeldon, then you want to see a healthy Yeldon out there versus firsting Fournette and then doing a half split with these two guys. Just forget about it. You want to see one guy touch it. And I think you'll see Yeldon here for a while. Now, that's not typically bad for fantasy owners because 
He's been pretty good in standard leagues this year because Fournette has been hurt so much and it's been pretty bad at the position. So Yeldon can be productive. He looks good. He's healthy. He's good to go. Now this passing game, you had uh, Yeldon, uh, Dante Moncrief find the end zone on c- catching five targets for 109 and TD. D.D. Westbrook. Now Keelan Cole, this was a concern. Too many receivers here. That's why Austin Severian Jenkins hasn't been able to do anything in touchdown wiles or wise because you have Moncrief and uh, they can throw to the backs. So it's extremely hard to trust the receiver. I really like the Westbrook matchup. If you recall, they're a buster screen. They're in the slot. So you want to exploit that Jets slot matchup as much as you can. That's what the result was with uh, D.D. Westbrook this week. And that's what we saw. He even had a carry for 11 yards to go for his 9 for 130. So this is going to go up and down each week depending on the matchup. So that's what you have to look at more. It's not who's the number one receiver in this mix for the Jaguars, but rather who is the guy that makes sense to throw to the most in a particular week, especially with the four and out of the way. And Westbrook clearly was that guy this week if you analyzed all the data. Now on the other side, Quincy Nunwa kept it going in mild PPR love there as the go-to guy for Sam Darnold. Uh, Tough matchup, but they could move around away from the corners. Got four catches for 66, but that's about it. We thought everything else was going to be a wasteland. Jordan Leggett got a touchdown, but no one was looking at him. So pretty much what you expect. And the Jets' offense still has a very low ceiling in what it can do week after week. Our next game we have to look at is the Lions and Cowboys. And this is all Ezekiel Elliott. The Lions' run defense is terrible. They focused in to start him, didn't or stop him. It didn't work because they got involved in the pass game. 88 yards and a TD there. 25 carries, 152. So it's pretty much we're going to ride Ezekiel Elliott as much as we can. And guess what? It opened things up for Dak Prescott. 255 and two, by far his best game of the season. He used Elliott to score. Jeff Swaim, the other tight end, got involved and scored. Uh, unfortunately, there was one TD that was left on the table here because uh, you had a recovery in the end zone. That led to a TD, so that uh, kind of was weird. But anyway, this offense is looking really good, and I think they simplified it. It's going to be a lot of Zeke, a lot of Dak, spreading the ball around. That means you can't really trust much in the passing game, but Elliott, this is great for his value going forward. Now for the Lions, uh, on Johnson looked great early. Not, he had a 32-yard run, but inexplicably, Lions had to go to their pass-happy ways, even in a close game. 9 for 55 and a TD for Johnson. You just wanted more volume out of him. Golden Tate did come through in the past happiness for Matthew Stafford. 307 and 2. 132 and 2 from uh, Tate providing most of that catching all eight targets. So he's awesome. He's the consistent receiver here. Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones are going to split the difference there on the outside. But Tate is the guy that you're looking at. Karrion Johnson clearly the number one option here because they didn't really use Theo Riddick all that much, only five touches total. With Garrett Bunt, he had uh, seven carries, and that was about it. So whatever you want to say, Karrion Johnson is still the lead back here, even if the volume is not desirable. Our next game that we look at is the uh, Texans and Colts, and Deshaun Watson looked great. I mean, the offensive line is giving him no help, but what that's causing is Watson to run around, make plays, run. Six carries, 41 yards, and TD to go 375 and two. There had uh, DeAndre Hopkins had a big game, 10 for 169 on 12 targets. But Will Fuller, of course, he played, so he scored with Watson. But then he came out with a hamstring injury. Kiki Kuti was the big name here. 11 catches, 109 yards on 15 targets. So wild game with a lot of high scoring. Kuti 
like Bruce Ellington before him, would be the beneficiary of Fuller missing time again with that hamstring injury. We know this is a nagging thing for Fuller dating back to college. So Kuti has to be in play because he's the next guy up. They don't really throw to tight ends here consistently in Houston. So you have to look at him uh, going into this matchup against Dallas. Dallas is a pretty good secondary, but keep in mind that Tate working the slot destroyed them and QT can uh, line up there as well in that spot and uh, do some damage. So someone definitely to keep in mind as a waiver pickup that you can play right away. Now we look at uh, the Colts and four touchdowns, 464 for Andrew Luck. Did lose a fumble in the end zone that led to a touchdown there that uh, probably keeps the game from going to overtime. T.Y. Hilton, four for 115, caught six targets. There was a big play here to T.Y., 42 yards. So they are making the big plays happen, but Hilton has a hamstring injury, probably won't play against the Patriots. What I take away here is Naheem Hines. And uh, I know this backfield has been kind of a mess, and they didn't really run the ball only 17 times here as opposed to uh, 66 dropbacks by Andrew Luck. So they're not a heavy running team, but Hines had the two touchdowns in the receiving game, PPR league. He's getting involved. He's a good uh, satellite player. They need him with uh, Hilton now hurting. Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant also look decent in this game, but they also had to get Zach Pascoe involved. So a lot of spreading around and short, but with Hilton out, uh, Ebron is still looking like a key go-to guy here. He's spr- Hines, Rogers, and Pascoe all heavily targeted as well. So this indie offense, if you're going to look at a back and want to maybe trust somebody, that needs to be a key part. I look at Naeem Hines. It's kind of the Corey Clement of this Frank Reich offense. So if you think about that, Clement was very valuable last year in certain matchups, and uh, that goes the same for Hines out of this offense. As we uh, finish up with uh, the later games here, the Seahawks and Cardinals 20-17. to The big story is that uh, Chris Carson was a late scratch. It was not Rashad Penny replacing Carson, but Mike Davis. They just passed Penny up, went to Mike Davis, 21 carries, 101 yards, and two TDs. So if they're going to give the running game volume here like they're doing, it's going to be good for fantasy. Unfortunately, it's only 20 points, so you know two TDs. That means Russ Wilson didn't have any. So you were highly disappointed if you started Tyler Lockett or Doug Baldwin. Will Disley had to leave the game being hurt. So if you started any of these guys and Wilson, you were very disappointed in this game. But that's the New York Seahawks identity, very defensive and running game oriented. They lost Earl Thomas in this one, so we'll see if that changes. If their defense has to force their offense to throw a little bit more, that's what we need to see. But so far, this defense has been lights out there with all the guys playing in there for the Seahawks. So that's uh, hurt Wilson's fantasy value because they're going conservative, trying to win games. It's worked the last two weeks, so they're not going to go away from that. And Wilson did a little bit more running, but still not enough here to uh, justify his value. On the other side, uh, Josh Rosen played for the Cardinals. Uh, Looked pretty good. The main thing is that he got David Johnson a little bit free. 25 touches for David Johnson. He had uh, 122 yards there and a TD. So very involved. David Johnson looked a lot better. Looked like the old David Johnson. They said, okay, we've got to use this guy more. Ricky Seals-Jones and Larry Fitzgerald, very limited production. But this is all about Johnson. And not a surprise with a rookie quarterback leaning on your best offensive player, which you just paid a lot of money to. So that's good. I think Rosen's presence is going to continue that. He's going to take his shots downfield, even if they don't come through. He had some uh, 30-yard plays here to Johnson, Seals-Jones. Chad Williams hit him on a nice one, 22-yarder for their TD there in this one. So 
Rosen, there's a lot of uh, good things to like about him, at least helping the other parts of this offense and facilitating there. Our next uh, 4 o'clock game was the Saints and Giants. This disappointed severely as a potential shootout. The 49 or the Giants uh, offense really struggled to keep Eli Manning upright here. Three sacks under a lot of pressure in this game all the way through the end. So they couldn't get the ball downfield, which means Odell Beckham Jr. couldn't exploit this offense. Only seven catches for 60 and 11 targets. So okay game in a PPR, but you expected a lot more. But Marshawn Lattimore did a job here. Sterling Shepard, we expected big things. He delivered on all of his targets. They just couldn't get it to him deep. 77 yards on 10 catches for TD. So great in PPR. Okay in standard as a wide receiver three, but you were expecting like a wide receiver two type game. That didn't quite happen this week. And Saquon Barkley dove in, got a touchdown. You want to see him give, get more volume. He only had 60 or 16 touches here. Turned it to 100. So Barkley's consistent, and uh, that's what's happening here is that Beckham, as exciting as he is, uh, this team is more about running in Barkley and the defense at this point, and hopefully they can uh, get Beckham going a little bit here going forward because it's very frustrating that he hasn't scored a touchdown. That's why you got to have him. And to go four weeks without finding end zone, very Julio Jones-like, is uh, quite disappointing indeed. On the other side of things uh, for the Saints, it was still the Alvin Kamara show. Looked great in the running game, but keep in mind this volume is going to go down. Taysom Hill cutting into it now, but Mark Ingram is returning to cut in that. So 19 for 134 and three TDs, including a 49-yard run there for Kamara. So he looked fantastic here in this game. Uh, he also had five catches for 47, but... Kamara is just a very special talent. We're seeing it. He can produce in any matchup. That was a quiet game for the uh, passing game. It was shades of last year. 217 yards, zero TDs from Drew Brees because of uh, Kamara's dominance. And that Michael Thomas connection, all that, cooled off here. Actually, they played a pretty good pass defense, so that contributed. But Kamara there is the guy, the stud, that is going to win a lot of titles again this year. Just looks outstanding and uh, there'll be better days for Breeze but keep in mind that the running game defense formula is going to creep in and he's not going to have to chuck as much in some matchups going forward then finally we'll look at the the Sunday night game this was all Ravens 26-14 they really could have dominated a little bit more scored the first 14 points a game the Steelers tied it but then the Ravens kind of pulled away with a bunch of field goals in the second half so not too exciting at all in the second half, but uh, Joe Flacco, 363 yards and two TDs. They just came up throwing. He said, let's do this. Let's take advantage of this bad Steelers defense, and that's exactly what happened. Buck Allen uh, still cut into more Alex Collins' time. Collins had a touchdown here as a receiver. Unfortunately, he fumbled going in as a runner, and that really uh, hurt him in terms of usage risk away. They're really concerned about Collins and the fumbling, so Buck Allen uh, had to... Uh, play there and uh, wasn't great but did his thing there to cut into the Collins workload that Collins just has to hold on the ball there could be so much more out of him if he does that because then you'll get trusted for more volume but still he looked like the better runner on the field he always does versus Allen but ball security something they have to worry about John Brown clearly looking awesome Michael Crabtree just not fitting here as well with so many mouths to feed the tight ends Kind of cut into Crabtree. Willie Sneed working the slot. Brown three for 116 and a TD on seven targets. So big play, took care of business, but Sneed looked a lot better. And without Mike Hilton in there, the slot corner for the Steelers, it really helped 
Snead have a good PPR day. So Crabtree owners, I, I think I'd be frustrated because he's not going to get the TDs very often here. The long ones are going to Brown. The short ones are going to the tight ends or one of the backs. And uh, there's going to be more competition here with Hayden Hurst, the rookie tight end in the mix, joining the other rookie, Mark Andrews. So a lot of competition for targets. Brown is a big play guy. Crabtree is just fighting and uh, dropped a ball there. So I'm very disappointed there. But they won the game, so I don't think they're going to change this too much in how they throw the ball to different guys. And the Steelers, uh, Antonio Brown, still not having that monster game, but 5 for 62 and a TD on 11 targets. Juju Smith-Schuster finally shut down a little bit there, and we thought it was going to be a great matchup against Tavon Young, but 4 for 60 on 11 targets only. So tough night for Schuster. Vance McDonald had 5 for 62, caught all of his targets, but he also lost a key fumble early in the game. So rough night there and what could have been uh, Brown at least – did something more that uh, you were looking for this week. And then the running game, what can I say? James Conner had the two-point conversion, but otherwise not much to see here at all. 12 touches for 44 yards when they were not converting. So he got his biggest chunk of points were from that one play for two points. So very disappointing overall. James Conner's physical limitations are showing up. They're not uh, showing him volume. They want to get pass happy here. So that's what you're uh, looking at uh for the Steelers, they could uh, try to incorporate more guys, but uh, this volume for the passing game is going to consistently help uh, Brown, Smith, Schuster, and McDonald's. Was Roethlisberger, although Roethlisberger was really bad in this one, 274 TD interception, left a lot on the table there. And uh, there'll be some bigger games ahead. The Falcons are next here, so that should be quite a big game for all the Steelers' weapons going forward. So there you have it. There's a look at all the Thursday and uh, Sunday action of week four, the fantasy football perspective. Thanks again to Tom Kesnick of High Stakes Fantasy to help us break down those four games in between. And I uh, hope you uh, got a lot of looking at all these games, both sides. You got to examine the aftermath or you're not going to get better for the next week. And uh, we'll flip the script there to uh, the waiver wire in week five tomorrow with uh, Eric at home of Pro Football Weekly or Weekly Waiver Wire. Until then, talk to you later. This has been the Iyer.